here. Something inside me is awake. I need help. We are the spark that light the fire. I was raised to fight. For the first time, I had something to fight for. Come on! I need someone to show me my place in all this. Welcome to Less Than 12 Parsecs, the fastest Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. Now, here's your host, Tim McMahon. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Less Than 12 Parsecs, the fastest Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. But I promise you, this is not going to be a fast episode. No, no, folks, this is not a five-minute episode. This is going to be like a two-and-a-half-hour extravaganza. Uh, I'm joined by my good friend Jason Collier, my old partner from the Expanded Fandomverse. Jason, why don't you tell folks what makes this episode so long and so special? We're going to do, which we've actually done for the last two films, a full-length feature commentary. Hopefully you've heard what we thought about the film in our review episode, and now you're going to get a chance to sit down with us. It's almost like we're sitting in your living room or sitting in the theater right next to you, whispering into your ear. We're going to let you know what we thought about the movie. We're going to comment on certain things, and you know, along the way we'll, we'll have a little fun, I think. All right, so how should folks listen to us while watching the movie. What's the technical steps they need to take, Jason? If you're sitting in a movie theater, I advise you to have your earbuds in. Wait until the Lucasfilm logo goes to black. Basically, we're going to we're going to do a countdown when that happens. Get your uh, episode all queued up and ready and then as soon as the logo goes to black, hit play and uh, you'll be with us for the next two hours and 30 minutes or so. Now, uh, same deal if you're going to be watching this on your Blu-ray or digital copy or DVD. No VHSs, unfortunately. They should do that. They should just go ahead and put out a VHS collection of all the new films and stuff like that. Just Yeah, just do a limited run, make it a collector's item. Yeah, they did that with Stranger Things. I think that's been really popular. And, you know, because I have a few uh, holes in my shelf here where the VHSs could go. So... Anyway, uh, so same deal. Wait for the Lucasfilm logo to go to black. So we'll do a little countdown, three, two, one. That's where you will cue your podcast. And, uh, and then hopefully everything will sync up. If you're you know a second or two off, it's no big deal. Yeah. I hope no one is listening to this part of the show right now in the theater. I hope you listen to this before you go to the theater. And I also hope you've already seen the movie because we don't want to be <laughs> spoiling and ruining the movie if you're just watching it for the first time. So, so yes, hopefully everybody's yeah. seen the movie multiple times, as I have. Now, Tim, uh, when we last spoke, I'm not sure how many times you had seen it. I'd only seen it like once or twice. Uh, how many times have you seen it up to this point? I've seen it four times. This will be my fifth. Okay. Same with me. So very good. Seen it in all formats. Right. Okay, everybody. So here we go. No turning back now. Uh, we are going to start the podcast in black after the Lucasfilm logo in three, two, one. long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. What if they just didn't use that one time? Just freak out all the fanboys. <laughs> Somebody messes up in the... Uh... Well, actually, they don't put together reels of film anymore. I'll admit one thing here. As I watched Star Wars fade off into the distance and the scroll go up, I actually got 
emotional for the first time out there ever in a, in a movie theater, at least in a, during a Star Wars movie, because it was like Star Wars was back and it just made me feel giddy like a kid again. And I just had a, had a moment. So you felt that way during Last Jedi, but not The Force Awakens? Well, remember, The Force Awakens, I had sat through a long marathon, and I don't know what I was thinking at that point. Right, right. You had seen all the films up to that point. Anything in the scroll standing out to you, Jason? Um, well, yeah, a lot of people were kind of curious about the First Order Reigns. Well, they just had... Uh, the Starkiller base destroyed, but re- remember, the Starkiller base also destroyed the Republic. They didn't have all their eggs in one basket. Sounds like the, maybe the Republic did. They lost their fleet, their you know their core planet, but the uh, but the First Order, yeah, eh, Starkiller, big deal. It's just only part of our <laughs> full package Arsenal. of evil. <laughs> yes. Right here, there's a little kind of homage with, a, I guess, Piccolo to the original Star Wars theme. And Now, what's this planet called? The base planet from the uh, last film? You would ask me. We should know this. Yeah. It's been around for two years. <laughs> anyway, uh, this was a pretty cool scene in 3D. Yes. When I saw it in 3D. Now, they didn't go back to, um, is it Green and Common, the name of the place they shot that? That's, I'm sure that's probably. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I guess. That probably is green screen right green there, screen, I yeah. imagine. Yeah, for just one shot or two shots, they probably split the green screen. I thought this was impressive seeing multiple Star Destroyers, since we only yes. saw one Star Destroyer in the last film. That's right. Did you ever watch The Young Ones? No, okay. no a cult British TV show it was on MTV years and years ago. Anyway, the second in command here, he was one of the members of The Young Ones. Go check it out if you've never seen it. Hilarious. Ooh, the Dreadnought. The dreaded Captain Dreadnought. Captain Kennedy. Yes. Now, I, I figured out the First Order needs to get their stuff together. They need to find guns that don't take so long to recharge. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll say, I, I stay away from spoilers and rumors, but I heard about this ship in advance and everyone was talking about how it's flat. So it was all the speculation mm-hmm. that, oh, we'll see people walking around the outside of the ship and have a battle on the hull of the ship. I guess that didn't come true. You know, that's something they rumored back at episode three, that there was going to be a kind of a zero G battle. We have not seen that in Star Wars. I would love JJ, yeah. JJ, if you're listening. Oh, you know, he is. Yeah, that, we want that. We want that. So much going on here, golly. I mean, just like any other Star Wars film, it, it starts quick. Now, this this is the comedy scene that I thought went a little too far. You're not the first person to say that. Uh, I've heard plenty of other people say that. I like it, you know, maybe except for the mom reference, but exactly, I yeah. liked it. Hux here, this is just really shortly after The Force Awakens, and Hux looks like his eyes are sunken in, and he's a little bit more pasty than normal. I guess he, you know... Major defeat. Yeah, he guess he had to go back and tell Snoke, and that's never, that's never pleasant. Yeah. Very dark, the uh, First Order. 
with a different shade of gray in the Empire. Yeah, a lot darker the uniforms and whatnot. Tim, if you had to have a pilot, would you have to pilot you? Would you have Poe Dameron, Han Solo, or Chewbacca? Depends on the ship. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Chewbacca wouldn't fit in next ring really well, right, I guess. Right. Uh, I love this opening blow everything up thing, but it seems very video gameish. And that's not a complaint. Yeah. Yeah, there were some aspects of Force Awakens that felt a little video game-ish too, but uh, you know that's the society and culture we live in. Yeah, a lot of I've heard a lot of good stuff. Uh, people enjoying Captain Kennedy and wish that he hadn't died because he's a he's a good baddie, if you know what I mean. Wait, what? I didn't catch anything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're too busy watching. I know I was. Yeah, all I heard was <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy's a good daddy. I'm like what? <laughs> Whoa, no. Uh, lots of fans uh, enjoyed the performance by the actor playing uh, Captain Kennedy, oh, and okay. a lot of people wish that he hadn't have died in the film. Which spoiler, he's gone to in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. Something about this film I thought was interesting is the way it plays with time. Uh, we have a lot of things kind of happening at the same time, but they have to cut to different parts and places. Now, if you just saw. Poe heading toward that cannon. It takes a long time for BB-8 to fix the sucker. Right. And so I guess we're kind of... Uh, and then we cut, a, cut away again here. Time's played with a little loosely, but still have a good time with it. I think time's played with loosely in Empire as well. Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. It's an homage to Empire Strikes Back that way. <laughs> Noticed here that Billy Lord had a much bigger part in this film. Yes. I, I hope she has an even bigger part in the third one. I do too. There's Leia. Yeah. You know, one of, one of my favorite parts of the film is Leia, I'll, I'll have to say. Uh, I, I wasn't too keen on her in the last film, but they did a really good job with her in this movie. Yeah, it's sad that she's not going to get her moment in the I, third one. I know. That's just, it, it kills me. Yeah. Great, great reference to 3PO. Wiping that smug look off his face. <laughs> or frightened look, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, once again, here we are. So we still haven't gotten that last cannon <laughs> yeah. down. Uh, <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were just about to hit it, and then, you know, maybe he made a few swings around the ship or something we missed. We need to get some good shit. Oh, look at this. Yeah. I love that. That's why you get Poe Dameron to fly you somewhere. Now, all the people complaining about the science in Star Wars and, oh, bombs don't drop in space, but yet they accept this X-Wing banking, you know? <laughs> That's not how I just, physics work. I love this musical cue right here. Uh, the Resistance theme has become one of my favorites in the Star Wars. Back to the bombs. Uh, somebody pointed out to me today that Empire Strikes Back, TIE Bombers. Yeah. Doing the same thing. Exactly. Bombing the, uh, bombing the heck out of the asteroids. Yeah, so many people online the first week complaining about these bombs, but eh, it's perfect. I mean, do we complain about the missiles that turn 90 right. degrees to go down the thermal exhaust point in uh, A New Hope? Right. And all the sound in space. <laughs> right. I love these Except bombers, that... but they went out way too easy, way too fast. Well, see, I, I was about to say, I, I like the fact that we had casualties on both sides 
yeah. it upped the stakes. And, you know, this is Star Wars. And I love the bombers, the fact that they're just something out of World War II and, and you know, the bombers the U.S. sent over Europe. It was an amazing, amazing uh, rate of people not surviving. You know? so yeah, makes, exactly. They're slow. Yeah. So this is definitely taken from that. But at the same time, it's Star Wars. You know, these things could have moved a little faster. Mm-hmm. Now this uh, actress coming up the in the in the gunner here this is Rose's sister I can't remember what her name is Paige Paige okay What do you think of the fact of Rose Rose and Paige in this film and they're kind of they don't really have a an arc per se but just uh you know these are new characters that we've never really been introduced to before they have this little uh, necklace that means something to him. Yeah. I haven't read there's there's a whole book out about the bomber squadron and, and page and I haven't read that. But I like the fact of just siblings being together, you know, working for the resistance. Uh, something about that really struck me that I really liked. See she falls. So bomb can <laughs> fall. There you go. I like the use the sound design of this film too. I, it just got nominated for a uh, Academy Award for sound design and editing, and uh, they do a good job here. I think with kind of quieting everything, and then later on when a certain ship gets destroyed, they also use sound or no sound to their advantage. Yeah. You know, if I was Paige, I don't think I would lay there and just kick the ladder. If I'd be the. I don't. I don't think that's the decision I would make. I'd probably fail and try and scramble up the ladder and not get there in time. <laughs> you know, what I thought would have been cool. Now they do it at the end of the film, kind of introduce more force using characters. Um, what if they had had Paige kind of use the force here, and it would kind of make you think early on in the film, what's going on with this little magical talisman she has around her neck and stuff? Oh yeah, that'd be a great idea. Bombs away. There's Tally. She's my new uh, crush. <laughs> she was in uh i believe mission impossible rogue nation as well uh yes i remember the rogue nation rogue one controversy of uh, that's right back in the day <laughs> that's back in the day now yeah. we're so old in battlefront 2 there's a whole storyline about how the resistance learned the schematics to the dreadnought and other ships uh, yes i've heard about that yeah and so there's a reason you know they only needed one out of all those bombers to blow it up because they knew right where the sweet spot was right and then later on they know how to get to the um the tracker right. because they have snokes they have the schematics for snoke ship as well uh, don't get me going on that tracker we'll talk about that later <laughs> it's what they call a plot device mm-hmm. yeah i love when poe flies in there just kind of like, all, all it was missing was like the sound of tire screeching. Yeah. I'm wondering about the guys on the deck below him. Like, are they like, whoa, a little exhaust burn there. All right. So what'd you think about this part coming up with Snoke and Hux? Uh, him dragging him on the floor here. <laughs> yeah. 
Poor Hux, man. Ooh. He just faced it first. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a big Snoke fan, even though, uh, as, as we'll see, we don't really get to find out much about him, which I kind of like, you know? Yeah. We didn't know anything about the Emperor in the first trilogy. Yeah. You got to feel sorry for poor Finn. He he falls down, bangs his head, yeah. gets stunned. Now, no back to tank, but a back to suit here, I guess. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting choice, a weird choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, something I forgot to mention right at the very beginning was uh, BB-8 says the line, I've got a bad feeling about this. I had to read that. I, you know, I did not catch that on my own. No, I didn't either, but that's what Ryan Johnson's saying yeah. because everybody was all up in arms that it wasn't said in the film, and he maybe he retconned it, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh, I forgot. Ah, uh, Acto. This is the place I do know. Yeah. You know, I'm the editor and kind of the continuity guy, and to me, it feels like right here, that scene feels good. And then when they cut, it feels way too sunny. I noticed that a lot on this planet. I bet it makes sense in their filming location. Sure. Yeah. Right, they're outside and stuff. But just the fact that I wish they had matched this a little bit better to the end of the other film. Because there's like not a cloud in the sky behind her. And it was very kind of foggy and dark. Same with Luke here. Yeah. So what do you think about what he does with the lightsaber? It, it made me burst out laughing the first time I saw it because <laughs> it's so, you know, we've built this up so much and I was on the edge of my seat and <gasps> bloop. There it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it detracts now from the end of the last film? Um, no, no, I don't. I feel like uh, a lot of what's in this movie is just, it's like a tennis game between Abrams and, and, and Johnson He's like, oh, you set that up? All right, I'm going to smash it back at you. And, you know, <laughs> interesting yeah. to see what J.J. does next. Now, that's supposed to be an X-Wing fighter part on the as the door. Yeah, yeah. It's so, part of the wing. And I, I guess if you look really close, you can see the, the red stripes of Red 5. Yeah, and some of the early artwork that I saw in the um, the art book, it actually looked a lot more like the uh, the X-Wing. It had the, the colors were a little bit more vibrant. You could really tell what it was. This, if you didn't know, you probably wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. It was oh, there they are. <laughs> it was definitely one of those things I had to read about. I didn't catch on my own. Right. All right. Your thoughts on Porgs, sir? Uh, totally acceptable. They're just, you know, they're in the background. You know, I think I would have cut one scene of them mm-hmm. from inside the Falcon when Chewie's flying. There's like yeah. three cuts to Porgs being in the cockpit. I think it was a little overdone, but the rest of the mm-hmm. time, totally fine. They weren't they weren't annoying. They weren't played for comedy too much, too hard. I like this part where Chewie and Luke yeah. meet each other, and then Luke's response to "Where's Han." And then a good job at editing. Where's Han? And and what do we cut to here? The man who killed Han. Han Jr. Yeah. 
That's yeah. That's that is a good cut. I love everything about Snoke, his Praetorian guards or Praetorian guards or however you pronounce that. I like that little smirk too that uh Hux gives Ren <laughs> right there. Right. It's like they're competing to who can be teacher's pet. Yeah. I really hope that later on in the next film we get a little bit more of that. This scene, or sorry, this set was supposedly influenced by the Ralph McQuarrie art of Vader's castle. Apparently, in some of the Return of the Jedi artwork, the Emperor had a throne in a room surrounded by lava. <coughs> and so while there's no lava here, you have the red lighting. Mm-hmm. But even the seat supposedly is straight from the Macquarie art, his throne. There was a lot of questioning of what that thing was back there and it's just like a looking glass right and those very tall thin alien guys who run the controls for it yeah they're uh yeah i think they're mentioned in the visual dictionary right this dialogue of snoke every time snoke's on and and even kylo ren their dialogue is great i love it i love the play Andy Serkis does such a good job. The first time I saw it, I was a little, I don't know, so-so about the CGI, but I've, I've in subsequent viewings, I've grown to really like it, and I think it, it blends in pretty good. It just felt a little funky at first. I'm totally fine with the CGI here. It doesn't, it, it doesn't seem overly CGI. I mean, yeah. I know it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 close to being good. It's just there was maybe it's the fact that he he walks funny makes me think of CGI. Yeah. And he is a tall fella. Well, I rewatched episode one recently, so everything looks <laughs> great now. Everything looks that. great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's so so mean to poor Ben. <laughs> <laughs> he's just using him just like uh, Leia said yeah. and Han said in the last film. He's going to use you. It's it's all a manipulation by Snoke to use basically Kylo to get well, he thought Luke was gonna be his kind of opposite on the on the light side, but it turns out it's Ray. Yeah. I really hate we, we lose the mask here. I always like Kylo Ren and his mask, but uh it ends up in pieces on the floor. Well, I'm in, I'd be interested to see if he brings the uh, mask back for the next film, since there's no one there to boss him around anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the next film has so many possibilities. I'm so excited about it. Even uh, recently, somebody posted, this is all fan art, of course, speculation, but a, a picture of Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren in Darth Vader's castle on Mustafar, you know, mm. and like, that would be cool. That would be. You can ask if everyone's asking where the Knights are in. Well, they've been hanging out on Mustafar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Training, waiting for their big moment. I'm I'm sure we'll see the Knights of Ren. That was a J.J. Abrams thing, so I'm sure we'll see it in the next film. Yeah. I think Ryan Johnson said he didn't bring them back because the only place to use them would have been in the throne room, and then they right. just would have all ended up dead. And I want to know where those Praetorian guards got their training, man. They were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah.
I like that line here. He says, what's one man going to do with a laser sword standing down the First Order? And that's what happens at the end of the film. And kind of we realize at the end that he needed to do that to get the legend of Luke Skywalker out there. I've been reading way too much Twitter lately, and there was a tweet from Ryan Johnson when he first started writing the script, when it was announced that he's writing the script, and he's like, oh, now I have to figure out, is lightsaber one word or two? And some guy replied, it's two, it's spelled laser sword. (laughs) (laughs) And that same guy, all these years later, was like, oh my god, it's laser sword in the movie, I did it. (laughs) Do we need a common tate on this uh interesting design on the teats that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> i thought that's real blue oh wait it's green milk oh right. well it could have gone a little more utterly enough if, if i <laughs> no no i mean the design of the creature they it would be more like cow udders, <laughs> i think would have been but that's you know me <clears throat> so uh, i thought I'm... you were saying i thought you were gonna say something like i was utterly disgusted by it <laughs> uh no the first time I'm watching this movie and, and Luke's like, no, I'm not going to train you. And then he goes and does all this stuff and she's following. My mm-hmm. theory at, as I'm halfway through the movie is like, oh, he's secretly training her. She doesn't realize it, you know, by her Pull following up. him and doing these things that he's doing. Right. That's the first steps of his training, of her training. Pull, pulling a Mr. Miyagi. Exactly. I was wrong. <laughs> I'm interested, uh, and I don't know if we'll ever find this out, from um, the the editing of this, she's out in the rain, and then it's not raining anymore, and then they go to the rain again here, uh, and then later on when she's underneath the Falcon and kind of in the rain, almost like she's seen rain for the first time there. So I'm wondering if some scenes were swapped around here. That's the editor of me talking. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. For a girl growing up on a desert planet, this place must be just magical. All that water. Exactly. The Jedi Tree. Yes. Now, in after The Force Awakens came out, there was a, a comic series. It was like six parts about what happened right after Return of the Jedi. And in it, Luke Skywalker was collecting saplings from the Jedi tree that the emperor had had collected himself. And they never really did anything with that yet. I was hoping they would mention that more since this movie came out uh, and you have this Jedi tree. Something that I thought would have been interesting with this kind of tree cave thing is if, um, you know, if you go back to Empire, Luke always said that there was something familiar about this place and something. I always thought the tree should have been some type of kind of portal to maybe other parts of the of the galaxy that are strong in the Force. Yep. And uh, maybe that he had been into this tree before or something. I don't know. That's actually an awesome idea. Uh, something they did on Rebels this year was there are Force portals that were taking people from one side of a planet to another. Like, no. you know, they walked 20 yards to them, but they ended up on the other hemisphere. So there is precedent for it in canon. My fanboy dream was for Ray to be meandering about in the tree and go through a porthole and see Luke being trained by Yoda in the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. 
<laughs> that gets a bit laugh most times. <laughs> the Jakku line. Now, uh, Lucasfilm and Disney did a big push to try to get Mark Hamill a Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, uh, sort of and that sort of did hoping. not happen. No, mm. sadly. JJ they, they did that. was saying months before this film came out that, oh, this is Mark Hamill's time to shine. Yeah, they actually did the same thing uh, in Revenge of the Sith time for Ian McDermott trying to get him a uh, supporting actor. They they put it in all the variety and all the, you know, magazines, the industry mags, you know, it's like for your consideration. That didn't work either. No. But of course, Alec Guinness was uh, he was nominated for yeah. Best Supporting Actor for Star Wars. A lot of people don't remember that. Yeah. And I still think it's so cool that Luke now is here is the age that Alec Guinness was right. and he played everyone. That's just really cool. But he seems so much more spry. Well, I think that's the case. You know, to me, I feel like I'm a much younger 43 than my parents were at 43. Right, right. I guess we're living right, right? Right. Or is, it's either that or all the hormones we're eating in our chicken. <laughs> right. The preservatives are good for something. Here's another editing point here with Leia, kind of contemplative. She comes out of light speed. We cut to the exterior here in just a second. And then we cut to the slap. To me, it feels a little jarring, like we're missing something here. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really put my uh, finger on that before, but you're right, it makes sense. Yeah. Now, Ryan Johnson has said that about 20 minutes of, of deleted footage that will be on the Blu-ray. So if you got the Blu-ray, stick that other disc in and check out what we're talking about. And see if you can find a scene that may have fit there. That's your homework. Now, we're recording this before the Blu-ray's out. Have you seen what's in the Blu-ray? Do you know? No. Oh, okay. Stick Actually, uh, well... There, there is one scene that um, we'll get to. It's, it's a scene on Act Two that I do know from hearing about it. Uh, and we'll, the third I'll, I'll, I'll mention it. Oh, I'll mention sorry. it when we get to it. Now uh, they followed him through hyperspace. Yeah, I do not like that. I do. I think it's great. It's it's throwing something you know, a Star Wars mainstay, and just tipping it over and on its side. They figured out a way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that there were references way back in Rogue One, and you've been able to track people through hyperspace before if you have a tracking device, but it's just going to change everything going forward. People won't be able to escape. It's that classic situation where, oh, there's a battle, one side's overwhelmed, and the little guys, the underdog, they escape to fight another day. Are they going to be able to escape anymore? Unless they all go in separate directions every time. Yeah, there's ways around it. But I was just thinking, you know, at the end of Rogue One, Leia's ship goes to light speed, and then we're not really sure what happens, but they somehow catch up with her. And I don't know if they were tracking or if Vader knew that they were heading toward Obi-Wan or what. There is an explanation in one of the short stories. There's always an explanation in some story. Uh, but I, I don't remember it off the top of my head. It was like the the ship was damaged. It was there was so it was like leaking 
coolant or something. You know, there was something <laughs> trackable about it, which is gotcha. something they've done before uh, in in the old expanded universe. Like, yes, if, if your ship is giving off too much radiation or something like that, it can be tracked. Right. You know, it seems like Kylo Ray's Kylo Ray Kylo Ren is doing a lot of damage to this ship just by himself. Right. You know why? Why only send out four four fighters? The the guys on the Nerf Herder Council podcast mentioned that recently. They're like earlier in the film when the dreadnought they release ties swarms of ties, but here they catch up and they release three fighters, four fighters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things in this script that are, you know, it's very convenient. It's convenient how the fighters have to pull back and it's convenient how the, they can chase them, but they can't catch up with them. Yeah. And here with the TIE fighters flying around, you can hear them. It's like they're being buzzed, but once again, there's no sound in space, but. It's yeah. a cool effect. My my catchphrase of the last couple months has been "Don't look for science in Star Wars because you won't find right. it." Yeah. It's fantasy, right? Now, did you think he was going to shoot here? Um, no, I did not think he would shoot. Not his mom. Well, I, I had heard that she got gets injured, so I was wondering if he was going to find out that he didn't. But his wingman obviously. Uh, <laughs> I was almost get, expecting get the memo. him to shoot down his own wingman. Yeah, yeah, I was too. He looked kind of mad. Yeah. So here is the big moment in the film when I gasped. Yes, I did too. Because I thought they've they've snookered us all, and she's going to die here, and it's going to be a catalyst for Kylo Ren to do something, maybe change. But this was the way it was going to be all along, and they were going to give her her force moment. Yeah, I thought, okay, this is how they're working around Carrie Fisher's death. Uh, they're doing it now. I was surprised they were doing it so early in the film, but it made sense at this point as you're watching it the first time. Like, okay, she's gone. <laughs> All right. But then you realize if she really was gone, that was a weird edit just to go from her being blown away to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about her... Using the force, is she dead here? You know, I thought only the Sith could bring dead people back to life, and it's not explained. You know, if if there was if Luke was helping her through the force, or if there was some kind of explanation given, and maybe the book will do that, which we're not going to get for several months. I would uh, that would I'd appreciate that if they would just kind of you know what's happening here. I I don't I never looked at it beyond anything more than she's from a very powerful bloodline. It's at this point, it's instinctual. You know, it's you're on the verge of death. It just sort of kicks in. Ryan Johnson have said himself has said he's comparing it to those parents who you hear stories of them lifting a car off their children. Right. Uh, I think it just uh, it just took over. I don't think she thought about it. I'd... I don't know. I'm I'm okay with it. I actually was more disappointed in the execution, the way she was floating. It just didn't look, it looked odd. Yeah. The whole Mary Poppins thing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe those memes have affected my brain. 
Oh, here we come with the porgs. <laughs> my my daughter was distraught when she saw that Chewbacca had not killed only one, but two porgs. Right. Well, you know, they're small. They're bite-sized to him. I thought the fact that he left the legs on, it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and Chewbacca doesn't have really much to do in this film, so no. giving him a little a little furry buddy is... Uh, and, of course, that, that one that we see him with later, it seems like there might be more on the Falcon that we don't know about nesting. But, um, anyway, somebody mentioned that uh, what would be a good name for Chewie to give that Porg? And somebody said Han. Oh. <laughs> Very cool scene here with Luke in the cockpit of the Falcon. Now, the dice were something we saw in, in A New Hope, and in a deleted scene from The Force Awakens, we see Han Solo put the dice back up there. That was cut for time, I guess, or pacing, and Ryan Johnson said, well, we we got to bring those dice back into the fray a little yeah. bit here. I felt like that was a great nod to the to the real hardcore fans. Sacred Island, buddy. <laughs> so Luke really has an issue in this film of, is he going to train Ray? Is he not going to train Ray? Is he going to tell Ray, you know, train her, but tell her why she shouldn't be a Jedi, why the Jedi should end? Sometimes his motivations, you know, at one point he's like, it's time for the Jedi to end. Yoda says yes. And then he tells Kylo, I'm not going to be the last Jedi. Yeah, I think he was going through some stuff. <laughs> and uh, he still hadn't figured out his own mind. I think through the course of the film, he comes to the conclusion that maybe he was wrong about the Jedi. Um, but Yoda says the Jedi should end. I, I, when they say the Jedi shan't, should end, I... I in my mind, they're referring to the bureaucracy and the dogma and the you know all the stuff we saw from the prequels, right? Um, and but yet the idea of their the Jedi continuing, I think at this point it's more a a natural mystical right. hippy dippy sort of Jedi thing. Yeah, burn the books, burn the the tree. Ray's got everything she needs. We're, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, yeah, sorry. Right. Let's take a moment for, for Admiral Akbar here. Who yeah, pour one out for un, AB. Unceremoniously <laughs> un, un gets killed in that last shot. We were so focused on Leia that we didn't realize he, he ended it. He is now a frozen fish in space. Yeah, I think the editor of this film has come forward and said, yeah, they should have maybe handled that a little better. Because he is such a fan favorite. Yeah. So what do you think about Admiral Holdo? Um, her and Poe, they're so intertwined, their parts in this movie, that I, I'm annoyed by both of them. They both handle <laughs> it wrong, the situation. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if she had just said, if she, why couldn't she have told him or told the other members uh, of their staff? I mean, come on, there's there's no threat of them having a, a first order spy or is there mm. I wonder if that was a thread that was maybe cut out of the film 
I had said, and this was my own my own rewriting of the movie, that instead of the First Order being able to track them through hyperspace, instead the First Order should have had an agent on their ship feeding them you know, information, right. coordinates and such. Then the Resistance finds out there is a First Order agent amongst them. That leads to paranoia. That leads to infighting. That leads to Poe and Haldo not getting along because they don't trust each other. Screenwriter. Woohoo. Yep. You can call me uh, JJ. I'm ready for episode nine. I'll fix all your problems. I was kind of curious about Haldo. You know, we know Poe, we know he's good, and Poe's questioning Haldo. So it gives a little bit of doubt in our mind if Haldo's doing the right thing or not. And then I thought, you know, she's she's too pretty and too kind. There's got to be a, a, a bad side to her, but I was wrong. Yeah. Well, this is a movie about failure, and everyone fails, and I think Haldo and Poe fail together. <laughs> or they fail because of each other. Now, people have talked about some sexual tension between them. <laughs> really? Yeah. Are, are you seeing any? I don't feel it. it. To me, like their their faces were. Maybe she's a close talker. Yeah. To me, yeah. it felt like she was. It was kind of, you know, moving in there and she calls him Flyboy and kind of like Leia did to Han. And, uh, good point. Good point. There's Rose, and the I guess the uh, the the yin to her yang to her sister's yang. Yep. Now the the yin yang symbol we'll actually see again a little bit later on the floor in the big uh, in the Jedi um, temple-ish thing on Acto. I like. I like her being kind of awestruck. Yeah. I like Finn saying, may the force be with you. It's kind of like, you know, say that line from that movie. <laughs> right. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, these, some of these characters are heroes. And even though Finn doesn't feel like a hero, he's definitely a hero to people like Rose because of what he did. Yeah. Uh, like, no, he's, he's running away here again. Yeah. Like he tried to in the last film. So, well, is he? I think, you know, like you said, he's trying to save Ray. So I don't think he's well, running away for selfish reasons other than the fact that he loves Ray. Yeah. I said it. He loves Ray. Now, is that going to be a love triangle in episode nine? Yeah. I wonder about that. I, I feel like Finn's going to get his heart broken because Ray is either going to devote herself to the force or she's got a thing for Kylo. And <laughs> so will Finn turn to Rose as like his rebound? Because. He could take. He could. He could get her easily. <laughs> you can make a whole different kind of film, episode nine. If <laughs> yeah. you can make a a rom com out of it. Exactly. Some of the reviews I've heard, and I enjoy listening to some of the online reviewers who have online shows, and a lot of people didn't like the character of Rose, but I think it's a it's a great because now she personifies what we talk about later on in the film as being the, the downtrodden and the, the, the low man on the totem pole is going to be the one that rises up and defeats the first order. Yeah. Like we see with the broom boy at the end. And so I, I like the fact that she personifies that for us and she's a fun character. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't have any problem with it. 
I, I think it's perfect. It's great to see someone who's more behind the scenes, you know. Fun fact, I think for every soldier who fought in World War II, there was a hundred other people behind them in the war effort. So uh, not everyone is frontline doing things that you think of as war, but there's so many more people behind the scenes doing very important jobs that you couldn't fight the war without. Right. I was also thinking about like the scene on Yavin and a new hope where all the pilots are rushing to their ships, but you got like for every pilot, there's 10 or 20 guys who are gassing up the ships and putting the droids in the cockpits. You know, those, those people need to have their story told too. Here they're figuring out the whole deal with the tracker and it's like they, they go through this jargon and then they, they go to uh, Poe in a minute and goes, now say it again, explain it All right here. And I don't like know. Me, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I was like, they did what and what? And, and it, to me, it was still kind of convenient that like, Oh, let's make up this plan and we can do this that easily. It seemed to me a, li- a little too, quick to devise this plan and get together. But, yeah. but now that I know that the Battlefront game explains that they have the schematic here, it helps it a little bit. Right. Now, a lot of people online have said, well, why doesn't the First Order just take two ships and cut them off? You know, just jump ahead. Uh, but a great excuse for that, I, I heard, was the fact that Hux is just evil. He's just toying with them. He likes to make them fret and fear. That's why they never ended it quickly. Right. For being a janitor, Finn sure does know a lot <laughs> about the makeup of these ships. Right. So how here does Poe know Maz? Good point. Now, Good question. There were there were cut scenes uh, from The Force Awakens where Maz actually went to the uh, Resistance base. We saw in the trailer her handing the lightsaber to Leia. But those are obviously cut. We never saw Maz again. And now... Poe knows exactly who to go to to find out the information. Maybe she's just so famous. I mean, he is a pilot. True. He's been around. Um, I don't know. I I thought it was funny here how um, she says there's some kind of trade dispute or something. You don't want to hear about it. It's like, it's kind of like, we don't want to hear about the the prequels, you know, with all the trade disputes and stuff. I love how, uh, yeah, she just lost her castle the other day, but now she's doing this. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was, that was just, just the other day. <laughs> right. I thought it was interesting how he's given the uh, the beacon to Poe here. That, uh, I'm surprised he didn't keep it. Yeah, I don't know. Right, since he's getting off the ship, and that's what he wanted to do anyway. Yeah. So does Octu have one or two sons? <laughs> well, at some point, it it <laughs> may have two. I'm not sure. 
I loved this interplay between Ray and Kylo. I, I'm calling him Kylo Ben because that's really kind of <laughs> right. Who he is. Uh, Ryan Johnson said, you know, he toyed around with different ways to do this interaction between the two. He says, but all it was was a, a sound effect, a bring all the ambient sound away and just have them almost like they're in the same room together. And actually when they did film this, they were in the same room together. Um, obviously she was in the set for the, uh, first order set here, uh, talking to him, reading the lines. And then when she was, she's inside the little temple hut thing, he was there feeding her lines. Yeah. So they were able to have that eye line match and able to have that, that, um, you know, yin and yang that back and forth with each other. Kylo's instinct first was like, I'm going to force her to do what I want. And then he's like, oh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I just love yeah. that part. Yeah, and here he says a line. It's like, you're not doing this. That, w- that would kill you, which really uh, hooks back to what Luke does at the very end. You know, it's to be able to project through the force. Is so It would take so much power that it would kill her to try to do that. So I think that's, that's a little bit of a foreshadowing. Ah. I did you, never did, caught up on that. Never caught that before, no. Yeah, he kind of says it under his breath. But, uh, yeah, next time, watch watch that line. I have to admit, when he said that would kill you, I thought he was referring to the fact, like, if he tried to uh, change her mind, you know, that whole thing where he's like, oh, you'll bring Skywalker to me. Like, yeah, no, the only way I could do that would be by killing you because you're powerful and uh, I'm not making any sense. Sorry. <laughs> Let's go on to the space nuns. Yeah, space nuns. Now, here she just had this moment with Kylo, Ben, and and now, you know, she looks back, but she makes a joke. She really, at this point, should be kind of rattled that that happened. And to me, I don't I don't get that feeling. And then she kind of goes off and does the training. And so, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel that maybe there was something else cut from that scene. Now, here's the thing I was talking about, the yin and the yang earlier. This um, little thing on the ground here, I believe in the visual dictionary, it talks about it's it's a kind of mosaic of the prime Jedi, I guess, who was the first Jedi. Right. Who, who kind of looks like Snoke. If you look at the, uh, it, you know, look at it in the book and you get a really good picture of it. Daisy right here, I think, gives her worst performance it sounds like she's like reading off of a page when she says, Master Skywalker, I, da, 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 da. I don't know. I just, it put she's, me more, she's better than that. It put me more in mind of like when we first meet her in the force awakens, when she's young and innocent and kind of sweet. I, I, that's that. I thought she was flashing back to that a little, almost like a little kid talking yeah, to yeah. somebody. Maybe so. I don't know. I just, to me, it felt like it was like the worst line reading I've seen in a Star Wars movie in a, since the prequels. This was great. This is yeah. a joke. This was I a, love it. This was a cute joke. Yeah, this is a cute joke. I'm not afraid of heights, but the fact that they're just on that little ledge, I, 
I wouldn't be comfortable there. And I know it's green screen. <laughs> yeah, that wide shot to me was a little too green screen looking. Yeah. I, I would, I'd be scared like a, a rogue porg would fly by and like, you know, knock me off balance. Right. So they had porgs because there were, this island was full of puffins. And I believe, and I could be wrong, there's probably someone who knows more about merds than I do, but I believe those puffins migrate from that side of the Atlantic to, my, to our side of the Atlantic. And here in the state of Maine, we have puffins up and down the coast. So I'm so excited the next time I'm out and see puffins because I'll be seeing porgs. <laughs> <laughs> you, you may see an extra from The Last Jedi. Yeah, you, you never know. know. I thought the stock footage of the, the growing plants took me out of it a little. Because I feel like I've yeah. seen that shot in other documentaries. Yeah, here Luke says the Force doesn't belong to the Jedi. Yeah. This is lesson one, right? There's, right. there's supposed to be three lessons, and... We get we, two. We get two, but is the third lesson really... You know, kind of like we never saw Luke complete his training because he faced right. Vader. Maybe the fact that she didn't join uh, Kylo Ren was the last lesson. I believe the third lesson was filmed. Might be a cut scene on the DVD. The cut scene that I was talking about earlier on is a uh, scene where we actually get to see where the caretakers live. Luke says to Ray that there's a... Um, that pirates are attacking and it's the scene from the trailer that wasn't in the film where she's right. running with a lightsaber. Yeah. And that's, it turns out that's all part of the third lesson from what I've read. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. They're having like a big party <laughs> and Chewbacca's down there and R2D2 down there. So Luke here is all upset that Ray went towards the dark side, but I don't blame Ray because Luke has not told her to stay away from the dark side. Right. Before he went in the cave on Dagobah, at least Yoda had said, you know, the dark side's easier, more uh, seductive. Um, but he never even he gave her that sort of advice. So he has no right to be mad at her for being interested in the dark side. Because it's all new to her. Right. And, and he is taking himself away from the force. So right. he, you know, uh, yeah, she's she's going to what feels good, you know, and what she's going to gain strength from and she thinks it's finding out who her parents are. Canto bite. Shall we go ahead and talk about it before we get there? Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say. You go first. <laughs> <clears throat> well, putting my editor cap on again. Oh, look at the porgs so cute um putting my editor cap on again i think obviously this was a long film and this trip to canto bite is a little bit extraneous they actually never nothing never really happens that needs to happen for to, to continue the plot they end up not getting anything from there and so i really think that they they cut down the sequence dramatically for the film yeah 
Sorry, it's like the worst. Eyes off the screen. <laughs> I know yeah. this is this is the worst commentary because we're sitting here watching it. <laughs> this part's so great, though. It is. I love the fact that he says he is a monster. That's yeah. He admits it. He knows it. Yeah. You know that's that's one of the scariest things about when a when a bad guy knows that they're a monster. I mean, be scared. But still, part of me is like he wants to be the bad guy so badly. He wants to be the monster. Part of me thinks because of that, he isn't. Like in, True. Like inside, yeah. he knows that he's not living up to the evilness that he wants to be. So I still... Hey, what about this, what about this little uh, drip of water? Yeah. Um, that was, that was kind of cool. Was it really there or is it going to disappear like the force, like the dice did at the end of the movie? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool the way they yeah. played with them being in the same place or they're not. I'm not sure. Through the force, who knows what can happen. Exactly. So Canto Bite, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting concept, an interesting location. Maybe not executed that well. There's a few few moments on Canto Bite. I'm just like, ugh. But <laughs> overall, I get it. I understand why it's there. It it has to be here, a to show the downtrodden, to show the the rich and how they help supply and fund the first order. But really, they're just in it for the money. Yeah, and it just shows that you know how the the rich are bad and the poor are good. So many great things to look at here, and it goes by way too fast in the casino. Oh, I know. There's all the stuff from the visual dictionary of all these creatures. And that's one of the reasons I think that this film is highly cut because there's so many cool things that just never make it on screen. And there's no way they could have walked through the front doors in their outfits. (laughs) This is definitely a black tie place. Now, uh, this little guy here, Mark Hamill is actually credited twice in this film. Yeah. He's credited as Luke Skywalker, and he's also credited as the voice of this little guy. That's awesome. And for that alone, he should have got an Oscar. I guess you'll have to get Mark Hamill to sign that picture of that guy when you see him at the next con. So he, so here, we're already, they've gone through the whole place and looked for the Master Codebreaker and haven't found him. So that was like a really short amount of time. And so it feels like that's where a lot of the stuff was just cut that we just missed, you know, interactions with the creatures, seeing different things. Yeah. They just got to this point, you know, kind of quickly. I think Rose's speech here, though I understand it and know what the point is, I get it. It just, it seems, I don't like the way it's written. <laughs> look a little closer executed. and look a little closer and he actually looks he a little closer. He literally does, <laughs> Yeah. You just have to they, see Broom Boy here. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had to introduce Broom Boy to have a point of reference of who he was, and he, he kind of helps him out later on anyway, too. So Yeah, good point. Uh, that cut of the people watching the race reminded me very much of the cut of the people watching the pod race in episode one. I thought exactly the same thing. Talk about the soundtrack a little bit here. 
because one of the newer themes that we hear uh, just happened. It's the the rose. Th- oh, okay, I can't talk about it now because we have to talk about Master Codebreaker. <laughs> right. <laughs> so many things to talk about. Which uh, this is just a joke, obviously. You know, Master Codebreaker. I said I think I told you his story. According to the Visual Dictionary, is that <laughs> if you can figure out his real name, then you become the Master Codebreaker. Oh, cool. Like there's well, a. That's just. Yeah. That's just got a a ton of of expanded universe books just waiting to be written about that. Yeah. Master Codebreaker is a title that gets passed down. Yeah, I wonder if he was in the film a little bit more, too. I was mentioning a second ago about the, the score. I'm growing to like the score more and more. I always have this issue with scores. You know, by the end of seeing Force Awakens a thousand times, I love the score of it. I love the score now of Rogue One. Here's Ray's theme, which is a great score from The Force Awakens. The new kind of theme, Rose's theme is what I call it. You can have happens when she comes on the screen most of the time. But to me, the rest of the um, soundtrack just feels like musical cues that we've heard before. Right. Which, which is okay, but The Force Awakens was so good at bringing so many new musical cues that I figured they could have used one or two more newer cues in this film, and they just, uh, they just don't. So, Well, the score was nominated for an It was. Yeah. yeah. Which was The Force Awakens one? I'll have to look back and see. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh. So do you like the do you like the caretakers? I do, yeah. They don't it's you know, fun. they don't do anything to annoy me, so they're fine. To me they're a, they're a funny little Star Warsy moment, you know, yeah. having this oh, little yeah. creature do something. Now I've been paying attention, been reading a lot of uh groups online, Facebook groups mostly of people who are really into lightsabers, you know, folks who make their own and that sort of thing. And they get very annoyed at this movie and, and pretty much a lot of the movies because if you look at the way they're holding the lightsaber when the blade gets turned on or off, their hands are never in the same place. Right. Like, the buttons are, they are pushing? different. <laughs> just reminded me of that because I heard complaints of her turning off the lightsaber there. She does it one-handed and her hand's at the bottom of the hilt. Yeah, and I think in Force Awakens, uh, Finn uses, uh, turns it on differently than... Yeah. Um, Luke does in right. Empire. I always tell them, you know, people get annoyed with that sort of thing. Well, I have two different light switches that turn on the living room lights at my house, so there you go. maybe the lightsaber has two different switches that turn the blade on. I thought it was nice here how there was a little, a little nod to the prequels where Luke talks about kind of what we saw in the prequels of Darth Sidious taking over and creating the Empire. Did they actually say Darth Sidious at all in the prequels? Uh, I think didn't does. Oh, I think maybe Doku does. Doku does. Yeah. Yeah, the attack of attack of clones when he meets up with them. Or does he just say a Lord of the Sith? I'm not sure. That's a good question. Yeah, I think he says Sidious. I'll have to call our good friend Aaron, who writes all the trivia books, and see what she says. 
So flashbacks Congra- in Star Wars. Our pal, our pal Dan White did not like the fact there were flashbacks <laughs> in Star Wars. What's your take on that? I don't mind, but because we saw dreams in Revenge of the Sith, so I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah. it it's a means to tell a story. We got 30 years to fill in here, so I'm fine with it. Yeah. Dan, unlearn what you have learned. <laughs> that seems to be a theme a lot of fans need to uh, take away from this film. The the people griping online, just, you know, let it go. Uh, that's the line that she just said from the trailer. And, of course, all the trailers usually get bashed for giving too much information or giving false information. And of course that was, that scene was not really false in a sense because, uh, in the trailer it had, uh, Kylo Ren, you know, being the one she was talking to. And, and she kind of does have that basic discussion with him of, you know, he asked her to follow him and she doesn't, but just the, the magic of trailer editing there. Right. I think we need to get Huck some uh, vitamin C or something. It's looking <laughs> bad. I'm trying to figure out why did they need to leave a guy on the ship? What's the point? Why? Well, well, I guess to uh, to pilot it. I don't know. It was just it. Uh, captain Captain goes down with his ship. Yeah. So few left. I think you'd want to save them all. Get some duct tape and a broom or something to hold the steering wheel in the right direction. <laughs> <clears throat> you would hope they would have an autopilot. Yeah. Now, usually I like Star Wars tech, but these speeders that the police guys have, I do not like their design. You barely see it in the film, but I've seen the toy. It's, it's way too spindly. It doesn't, doesn't look legit Star Wars to me. <laughs> well here we go with dj or at least that's what the toy is called right is it, i'm not sure if he's actually credited as dj in the in the credits so we'll have to look yeah, for that don't know about that you know he's an interesting character kind of nothing like we've seen before right I, although i really i'm not sure what his role purposes not role but what his purpose is in the film yeah obviously he's a means to get on the ship because they didn't have the master code breaker and i guess he he is the the middle ground you know he he doesn't join either side so he does good stuff for the good guys and he does good stuff for the bad guys right so so i guess he is the um the moral ambivalent one (laughs) You think they were trying to go for like a Lando Calrissian type character where he's just looking out for number one? Yeah, I guess, you know, and uh, I guess we're hoping that he goes to the, you know, helps the good guys and he does here and then he helps the bad guys. And actually later on when they're in the hangar and the ATSD starts firing, I thought it was going to be him helping the good guys again. But I don't know. I wonder if we'll see him again. Yeah, I really don't. I don't think so. I don't, I don't see a purpose for him. 
I wonder if the stuttering was his thing or if it was something that was written into the script. I'm going to guess it's the actor's choice because he's a lot of his roles. He does interesting little quirks. Right. I always thought the coins were very, very large. <laughs> the Cantobite coins, they, just, they seemed oversized to me. I like the little moment where BB-8 shoots him out then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, if you remember from, I guess it's been two summers ago when they were shooting this in Croatia, there was the big, they were calling it the Space Horse. There was a, an actual full-size uh Fathier? Is right. that how you yep. pronounce it? Yep. Yeah. On on set um, in in these alleyways where they shot stuff. And after watching the film, everything looks CGI to be. So it's like, why did they even shoot anything practical? <laughs> right. I remember the behind the uh, when that stuff was leaking. The rumor was, oh, these are this is Corellia, and everyone's in black because they're at Han Solo's funeral, and <laughs> these space horses are are carrying. A casket. <laughs> the internet's always wrong. Yes. You'd be proud of me, Tim. I stayed pretty far away from spoilers uh, this go around. And I actually, I think I enjoyed the movie better for it. So from here on out, no more spoiler verse for me. <laughs> you show me the way. I do yeah. like this music. This is this is some fun music too. Right. I feel kind of uh scared for these fathers because they burst through so much stuff. I mean, don't they get injured? Yeah, you would think so. I mean they had scars on them from their whip yeah. from being whipped, so you know. Yeah, I mean that's gotta that's gotta yeah. hurt right there. And why would they run through the window? Why not just go around the building? What's <sighs> Was it because Rose wanted to bust the joint up? I guess so. Yeah. That's kind of selfish of Rose. <laughs> now, there, there there is a scene, and I'm not sure if it's going to be on the Blu-ray or not, but um, where they actually break through a spa. Right. And uh, oh. like a bathhouse kind of thing. And, and one of the characters that Warwick Davis plays is there. And so he actually character got cut out but um uh he's actually in a couple of other the scenes in, in the casino so i guess that maybe that scene right there where you had a tight shot of them and you can kind of tell they were on the horse maybe that's what they use the big yeah. practical horse for right and then that uh that speeder that got knocked over by them that was also a practical effect i remember them talking about they they blew up and flipped a speeder There's some musical cues here that remind me of, I'm not sure if it's E.T. or some, some other Williams piece. But Williams has a tendency to steal from himself occasionally, so yeah. it's all good. If anyone's going to be allowed to do that, I think it's him. <laughs> you know, this is a long movie, and every time I watch it, it seems to get a little bit longer. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing yet. 
I say that as we're about not even quite to the halfway point. This is the point, yes, where I think I used the restroom the second time I saw it. <laughs> right. I mean, it is a long film. You think it could end, you know, in, in several different places. I remember watching it for the first time, and they had just uh, broken up the Snoke ship, and, you know, I was like, whoa. And I looked at my watch, and I was like, this thing's still got 30 more minutes. You know, it's it's so great the fathers have escaped, but you know the next day they're just going to be rounded back up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not obvious, uh, I think, in the movie, but I believe the whole planet's a desert except for the area around the city. It's all man- like manufactured uh, ecology, you know. Uh, I'm not using the right words here, but... So there's, there's not many all places the green for them and to all go. The water is man-made. Uh, now, has there been a locations book yet made for uh, this film? An incredible cross sections type thing? No, no, the, the locations. locations. I not that I've seen yet. No. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll find out a little bit more about the the. Now, Kanto Bay is just the name of the city. I think the name of the planet is Ken Ken Dantia or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Some. Now, this is an interesting part. Luke kind of reaching out to Leia. I, I never quite understood. You know, she doesn't wake up right after this or anything. So I'm wondering why they're why he's doing this here. I think he's just looking for guidance. He he wants to talk to someone or connect with someone who can maybe help him get through the struggle he's having internally. Here comes the most uh, memed scene <laughs> in uh, in the film. I will admit, uh, Adam Driver's, he's been working out. Good job. What do you think uh, <laughs> Kylo Ren smells like? <laughs> uh, hmm. Sweat and... Uh, Burnt plastic. Yeah, there you go. If you look here, too, you can see the wounds that he got. You see the scar on his face, but he also received a couple of wounds. The the blaster hit from Chewbacca. And also, I think, when he's fighting Finn and he gets nicked by a lightsaber. Yeah. I really like Adam Driver in this role. For some reason, he just like totally takes my attention and just his line deliveries are so good. And, you know, it's like almost like a, like a man crush on him because I just, and plus it's a very interesting character that is so deep and, and he's such a good actor. I think he's playing the role very well. You're right. I'll admit I've watched other stuff. He's in it just because he's in it. He's just that good, even when the material is not that great. There's my favorite line. (laughs) 
let the past die. Kill it if you have to. My favorite line of his is when he tells her she's nothing. Yeah. But not to him. Yeah, that was like, <laughs> it's like the worst, you know, schoolyard. Yeah, you're nothing. You're nothing. Except to me. Right. Now, before this film came out, I think I put out an episode of Less Than 12 Parsecs uh, where I jokingly was listing what I think the biggest challenges of each of these characters was going to be. And I said my biggest challenge for Ray is going to be all that water, learning to swim. (laughs) (laughs) She did a good job. Yeah. People say, oh, she shouldn't know how to swim. I mean, is she really swimming? She's just sort of flailing around. Yes. Survival. She's trying to survive. We have a, a family legend in my family that my grandfather, who was one of seven brothers, hadn't learned to swim yet. And so one day while walking home, his brothers literally tossed him off a bridge into the river and said, make it to shore. And some of them jumped in after him to make sure he didn't drown. I mean, they're not monsters, <laughs> but that's how he learned to swim. So it can be done. <laughs> yes, when survival is uh, the name of the game. So this was an interesting part. This is kind of her going into the cave that, you know, like Luke did in Empire. She's going to a dark place searching for something. Now, in Empire, Luke kind of finds Vader and finds himself in the Vader, which can be taken a lot of different ways. And in this, Rey is searching for her parents. And at the end of this long line, when she actually gets revealed the face of her parents, it's her, kind of like it was Luke in Empire. What do you make of that? Um, I think it goes back to what Maz Kanata told her in the last film. It's like, you, you don't need the past. You just need the now or in the future. She doesn't need to rely on yourself instead of... I've heard people say these look like Han and Leia's shadows. (laughs) Well, I mean, they do a good job of bringing two... You think it's two people and bringing it to one, and then... I will admit, you know, one of the reasons I did stay spoiler-free was for moments like this in movie theater. I was literally on the edge of my seat waiting to see what revealed, and I'll admit I was a little bit let down. And I was shocked the first time I saw the film and, you know, she's talking about what she saw and I thought, oh, she's talking to Luke about it. But she wasn't. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole sequence of her in the, um, in the, in the cave there, she, she kind of is talking and I guess she's explaining, the, you know, everything that happened to, to Kylo Ray. Now, is Luke sensing something's going on here? He kind of comes out of his hut all like freaked I think out. So. Yeah, I think so. Now, for bashing Daisy earlier, 
in her bad line reading, I think she's exceptionally well at this part, and yeah. she's very believable. And then, ooh, the hand shows up. That was cool. I've heard some people say online this is the best love scene of any movie this year. <laughs> <laughs> best hand touching the MTV Movie Awards. Right. Yeah, I thought they were going to kiss here or something. You know, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. All their interactions in this film, or the two interactions they have, I'm really not sure what's going to happen between the two. So I guess Luke has uh, put himself back in the force. (laughs) (laughs) I would take it, yes. Stop being a jerk, Luke. <laughs> Just I was really surprised here that she, you know, attacked him and they have a little a little fight. Thought that was kinda kinda cool. Yeah. And then when she gets the lightsaber, it's very, very similar to I don't know, you know, she's like is she gonna strike him down and become powerful and evil? And I like that. Yes, they're fighting, but Luke's not attacking. Right. Because the Jedi never uses the Force for attack, always defense. Which kind of makes you question Rey a little bit in this. Obviously, she's still trying to find her place. Yeah, she's still learning. But, but even when she's attacking the Praetorian Guards later, you know, she screams and is all like... And even when, she, even when she's um, fighting Kylo Ren in the last film, you know, she has that kind of look of evil on her face yeah especially after episode 7 there was a lot of theories that like oh the twist is she's going to turn dark and Kyla will turn light right that's kind of the, what I that's yeah. what I the, the only real kind of spoiler wasn't turn out not to be a spoiler but a uh, rumor that I heard about this movie was that uh, yeah, at the end of the movie Ray will be the bad one and Kylo Ren will be the good one yeah. which would have been interesting still can happen This uh, flashback scene is interesting because we see three different versions of it, you know, from three different points of view. Yeah. Well, like they say, every story has three sides, yours, mine, and the truth, so. Right, so, and we got to see both, all three of those. Right. Another one of my favorite lines. I've been I've been using that line. This is not going to go the way you think a lot to my kids <laughs> recently. You know, I think that if they really wanted to turn him back to the light side, they would have turned to Leia for help. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sad that we're never going to see him and his mom face to face. Right. Uh, I imagine that was probably planned for nine, but uh, that that was just that's un- unfortunate because we've never seen the interaction between those two. We've seen the interaction between him and his uncle and him and his dad, but not between him and his mom. Do you think he, Luke had a chance to say goodbye to Chewie? <laughs> nope. 
I thought, wow, it's an old an old school lightsaber. That <laughs> 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 I thought, and I was then, like, oh, it's a classic bundle of dynamite like you'd see in cartoons in the old days. <laughs> and here's Yoda. When I saw Frank Oz at the premiere in in uh, Hollywood, I thought, okay, Yoda's going to be in the movie. Yeah. I don't know. He was at the premiere for episode seven. And I remember that. So uh, my mind didn't go there, but there were so many rumors and, and right. people puppet. Yeah. Several that this was going to happen. Had kind of, I think with a cat out of the bag. Yeah. The first couple of scenes of Yoda look kind of funky, but then when we get like right there, a little funky, but then when we get tighter, I think he looks great. Just like he did in the, um, original trilogy yeah like he is a pup a plasticky look to him i thought he's been dead 30 years yeah (laughs) (laughs) i wish we had seen more of this yoda in the prequels yeah they they got it right too you know they got his voice more high-pitched like it was in empire and jedi Whereas I felt like his voice was deeper in the prequels. Right. It's so nice to hear a Frank Oz Yoda versus a Tom Kane Yoda. Is it Tom Kane? Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah. Tom Kane has that kind of uh, cadence. Yoda always sounds like he's talking in cadence. good to see Yoda walk the old way mm-hmm. you know sort of head down looking at his feet so this is a debate I've had with a couple people recently I and mean, Yoda's very solid looking here of course got a little bit of glow but he's definitely solid yeah. do you think that as there's two theories. I'm not going to tell you which is mine unless I already have in the past. And if I have, forgive me. <laughs> the two theories is one after a person dies and becomes one with the force, the longer they are in the force, the stronger they become. Thus their force ghosts become more solid. The other theory is the stronger Luke gets in the force, the more solid the, the force ghosts become. Which theory do you like better? Neither. Okay. (laughs) My theory is it's all about Luke. Because after Ben dies, all he hears is Ben's voice. He sees the ghost of Ben in Empire. He's just very cloudy on Hoth. Well, I guess now you're saying the fact that he's he's come come back and to the force and And he's he's stronger than now and and he kind of knows what he needs to do. He's yeah, he's the strongest he's really ever been. Right. Yeah, maybe so. Okay, yeah, I like that theory. <laughs> good, good job. You, you, you convinced me. I thought the ship was very prequels. Very slick, oh, yeah. Very clean. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's like the Naboo ship that 
Padme and Anakin fly to Tatooine and everything works with the push of one button. Exactly. Little BB-8 is he's he's turned into the R2D2 hero of this trilogy. Oh yeah, uh, e- even more so than I think R2D2 was in the original, because uh, of helping DJ steal this, and then later on what he does with the ATST. Yeah, I mean R2 never really went on the offensive, did he? Um, I guess with Salacious Crumb, he did. He yeah. was like, <laughs> "There you go." Oh, <laughs> and with the Ewoks, he he liked to uh, zap them a few times. Something too, and maybe you know this uh, from reading a lot of the novels and such. You know, you don't see a lot of R two units. Did you do see BB units? Is an R two unit now just like a relic of the past? I think so. I mean, they're they're considering BB units as astromechs, right? So I think they're just replacing. I never really fade out. Yeah, I never really looked, or maybe we never even saw. um, I guess we never really saw another X-wing. Maybe we did in the Force Awakens, and I never like really looked to see if there were BB units or R2 units. I think there is at least one R2 unit in the um, Force Awakens on the base. Yeah, I know in the Force Awakens, some of the droids and the X-wings were like R4-shaped heads. I remember seeing that as a from a photo. Uh, from the set. Now, does everybody on from Holdo's planet have purple hair? <laughs> I don't. Th- I don't know. I, uh, see, if they just had a little better sense of communication here between the two of them, things would have gone so much better. I mean, at this point, she's got to know they're going to crate. At this point, she's got to know they're pretty close to crate. Just tell them. Yeah, that that is a little bit of a, a problem, I guess. I get it. She's you know she's the admiral. She doesn't have to tell a captain what she's doing, but she should tell the captain what she's doing. Just it's called leadership. The, the commander now. Remember, he was demoted. Oh, right, right. right. Maybe all the scuttlebutt is the fact that he was demoted. Now she can't tell him because of, you know, he's not of a rank where she could divulge that information. And I guess, too, there needs to be a arc in Poe here that he needs to learn to um, you know listen to authority he needs to listen to authority when there's authority over him and then when he becomes the authority he wants people to listen to him yes that's the lesson he needs to learn and he learns it by the end finally after 40 years we get to see what a escape pod (laughs) of the falcon looks like right and it's not quite what the toy looks like but it's all good no (laughs) I thought that too And it doesn't come out of the place I thought it would come out of as a kid. 
I have looked at the schematics of the um, the big ship here, the Supremacy, and it's pretty pretty cool. They can dock entire Star Destroyers on the inside of that sucker. Yeah. So I guess Kylo knew she was coming. Oh yeah, I I, I don't know if she told him, but he definitely felt it. Yeah. She she couldn't have reasonably expected just to waltz in and not be met by stormtroopers at least. I love when ships come in at a different plane. You know, uh, everything's usually on a flat plane, right? But here they're coming in from below uh, i love that yeah they, space is they, 3D. They, right yeah they kind of did that in rogue one too you saw the death star kind of upside down yeah sometimes yeah i heard that originally um before the character of rose was written that Poe and Finn were going to go to Canto Bight. Right. And um, Ryan said he kind of changed that up because he says that the lines he was giving them, he could give to either one, and there was no, you know, nothing was coming out of that. And especially the, the way it ended up, you know, nothing really came out of it. So they needed to have a different kind of character. And we have to talk about the iron here. <laughs> yeah. Hardware Wars. Hardware Wars. But it was so well done in the theater. I I fell for it. I thought, oh, so- oh, I did too. I was yeah. like, what ship is that? That looks like an iron. Wait a minute. And then <laughs> BB-8 playing the the mouse droid here. Was and it he you makes pointed little- that out to me? Because I didn't I didn't Maybe catch so. that yeah. the first time. Yeah, but then yeah. after someone said it, that's all I hear now. Yeah, you hear the high pitch do 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 do. BB-8 notices him. I like this too. You see, you know, Finn and Rose walking, and then you see this elevator, and they don't even know that Ray's on the elevator. Oh. And here's very Return of the Jedi feeling scene. Right. Really, the only things that really brought back kind of, I guess, visual kind of references to the original trilogy was, you know, when they're here in the elevator. And obviously, you know, them in the throne room. And then the, the crate battle, obviously, is very reminiscent of Empire and the Hoth battle. But um, but I, I don't mind either one. I think they are, are new and different enough that they don't feel like just a blatant ripoff. Right. I am curious why they made the design choice for crate to make it a white planet with walkers. I mean, it was so obvious. You know, they were, they had so much criticism after episode seven from some people like, oh, it's just a, a ripoff of A New Hope. Why would they sort of toss that bait at those sort of critics at this one? And I just noticed as they walked in, those tall, skinny uh, alien guys are still in the background. Oh, they are? Yeah. I didn't notice that before till now.
I was uh, taken back by this when I first thought, like, oh, he's a good guy after all. <laughs> good shot by BB-8 with the... Yeah. The First Order still hasn't, uh, OSHA hasn't gotten to them about having railings. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Oh. Sort of hoping for a, a bit of combat between BB-8 and BB-Hate. Yes. <laughs> I had totally forgotten about Phasma this whole movie, and I was like, <laughs> whoa, there she is. Yeah. To me, that's been such a throwaway character. And even Gwendolyn Christie said, said that, oh, there's going to be so much more of Phasma in the next film. It is or not. No. They just... she's, she's the Boba Fett, you know? Yeah. And I'm fine kinda... with that. Actually, somebody said, it may have been Ron Johnson, that she's kind of like the Kinney uh, from South Park. You know, where they like, <laughs> right. die, dies in every movie and you know, keeps coming back. And she'll be back in nine. I know it. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Maybe she'll have gold chrome. You know, so they can sell another action figure. Battling C-3PO for the gold chrome look. So what do you think of Holdo having to put up with all that crap from Poe and then now that he's out cold, she's like, yeah, I kind of like the guy. It seems, seems off to me. Yeah. If she liked him, why didn't she tell him what the plan was? Yeah, I wish there had been some dialogue here about you know, I, I kept the plan secret for some reason. Right. Well, I never really liked Laura Dern as an actress, but she's she's serviceable in this. Yeah. This actress with the big nose is kinda in three in three D that nose was pretty intense. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they could have let a, a droid pilot the ship. They could have. Did they have to leave her behind? Yeah. Yeah. Once again, it services the plot. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Now, this is all the dialogue here that I love. 
so many good lines. Oh yes. And for all the folk, all the folks who wanted to know Snoke's backstory, like Ryan Johnson has said, you know, like I could have stopped the scene and just have him go on a little monologue for thirty seconds telling his story. But it wouldn't have made sense. It would have taken everyone out of the scene. And I can I can respect that. It's not like Ray was asking him, who are you? Where did you come from? How did you become the First Order leader? How did you get your powers? <clears throat> yeah, we don't want him to be like another, like all the other self-serving villains who like go into their master plot, you know? Right. Although he kind of does here a little bit. He, he does say that he was the one that brought them together. So he does it a little bit. So why did he bring them together? To test Kylo? No, I think he brought them together so that she would she would think that there was a way to save him and come and seek him out. Uh, kind of like Luke did Vader. You know, right. it's the same kind of uh, paradigm there with... Uh, something that they, he does mention here in a, in a few minutes is, you know, it says, once we defeated you, we're going to go and and blast Skywalker's island. And it's like, how do you know it's an island? You didn't even know where he was. Maybe... Kylo actually could see part of it at some point. Yeah. Maybe, I guess when he was having, having the hand touch moment. Yeah, I think, I think Snoke was reading more of her mind than Kylo was able to. Because he's stronger. All the amazing science and technology in this universe and they can't do anything for Snoke's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> And his eye. It's going to be a real interesting story if they ever do talk about him. I'm, I'll be anxious to read that, figure out what's, what his deal is. But, but I like the mystery, too. Now, have you read the Crate comic book? Yeah, I read the Crate one-shot. And I guess I have not read the book that mentions that talks about the Crate. But in the crate one shot, there was like, oh, we can't have a base here because there's like these sandworms that'll kill us all. So <laughs> sandworms like in Dune or yeah, uh, but they were smaller. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. But Luke and Leia do go to the planet, right? Yeah. And scout yeah. it out. And this just takes place, I guess, in between a New Hope and Empire. Right. Yep. Yeah. So they just like that they they built, they dug the they trenches, and got it ready just in case they needed it. Right? Yeah, there was a guy there who was friends with Bail Organa, who was doing the mining, but the mine had dried up, and he was like going to help out the rebels by set, helping them set up a base there. But it turned out he tried to sell them out to the Empire. <laughs> It was one 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 issue. They tried to cram a lot into one issue. Sounds like it. Mm. <laughs> so DJ is really not all bad. He just found himself in a bad situation and tried to get out of it. He, uh, I think, initially when I first saw this, I thought he had been like bad all the way along, but he just basically says here, you know, we got caught and I had to make a deal. Yeah. And he did hear when they were on the ship flying back, that he did hear that they were launching or 
uh, fueling up the transport. So somebody had said that, oh, how would he know that? But he heard that over the uh, yeah. communique. So he was saying, you know, they're firing up transports, and then they, they look for the transports for the decloaking device or whatever. I think Ryan did a really good job of having multiple stories happening at the same time, and and he does a good job of bringing them all to you know to their not a conclusion but to their apex all at the same time, with the um, the lightsaber breaking up here in a few minutes, and then her launching the ship into light speed, and then the near execution of Rose and Finn. I'm sorry, I'm just I'm getting sucked into the movie again. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Snoke's saying there. I didn't know why Skywalker would be so wise. To me, I feel like there's a little bit of dialogue that may be missing there. I love this thing with the lightsaber. Yeah. That was great. Were you expecting Snoke to die? No, not at all. Yeah, me either. That was a, a total surprise. They should have released that still of her with the blade up before <laughs> the movie came out. That would have freaked everyone all out. <laughs> a scene of that did come out pretty pretty at least pretty soon after the film had released and everybody was freaking out Kylo Ren he manipulates in a sense Snoke by making Snoke believe that he's going to kill Rey when he's really killing Snoke yeah he knows what Kylo's about to do. He just doesn't know who he's going to do it to. The fact that Snoke says, you know, kill your enemy. Well, I guess he feels like his enemy is Snoke and yeah. Ray is not his enemy. Ray is somebody he can join with. And then before he before he does it, he says, I know what I have to do. Just like he said right before he killed Han Solo. Right. That was a good kind of nod to the last film. Because you're thinking, oh my god, he's going to do it. I've been debating, like, maybe they shouldn't have shown the lightsaber turning here. (laughs) I thought the same thing, or maybe they shouldn't have showed his hand, but I think it works perfectly. Yeah. Because you're kind of, like, still trying to process what's going on. When the lightsaber flies through her hand, it's very much like the moment where the lightsaber flies through her hand in The Force Awakens. <laughs> I bet that smelled good. <laughs> I remember people the first night just cheering at this moment. Yeah. Yes! Because you think he's turned good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, spoiler alert, when he doesn't, people, no, come on! Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's a move he makes where he puts his lightsaber like into the ground, and I don't know what 
split move that is boggles me. I think he did it in uh, in the fight in the last film too. <laughs> I love the way DJ calls Finn Big F. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a pretty big thing. It's a pretty big shot in the, in the resistance. That's what he told Han. Yeah. Big time. What was what was his nickname? Big time. Big shot. Big deal. Big deal. Thank you. And, and well, then earlier on, Rose calls him the Finn. You're right. <laughs> now these Praetoria guards, they're first off, I don't know how many there are. They're like a ton of them. Um, and they say they're, you know, they're basically elite guards, kind of like the emperor had his elite royal guards, but we just never saw them do anything. It seems like with the force powers that Ray and Kylo have, that they could have dispatched these guys pretty easily. There's that scream I was talking about. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I think fans give people with force powers little too much uh, I don't know what you want to call it but just because you have the force doesn't mean you're a good fighter too, yeah I think people give them too much credit just because they have the force right yeah they're, they're not gods right I just just like in anything you know you can be good at whatever you do but if you got somebody like over your shoulder, you know, giving you, putting pressure on you, it may be a little bit more difficult to use the force. I haven't bought many toys for The Last Jedi, but I do have a Snoke, a Porg, and a Praetorian Guard. Which guard? Are they all different? Are they? No, it, it seems like there's at least two styles of helmets, if not three. Yeah. I think there's two si- um, styles, and I've got the that one like he just uh, the normal size, and there's the one that has a little kind of um, curve on the top. Yeah. And you're like at this point, you're like, come on, come on, Ben, help her out. Yeah, that's when it all goes south here. Yeah. I was with her. I'm just like, no, Ben, no, come on, don't do this. You've come so far. Keep going all the way. Head to the light. Even though the the film hasn't been written or shot, but some people are already hypothesizing that the title of episode nine could be The New Order. Because he mentions that here just now. I think that would be kind of neat because in a sense, it could be almost a dual type thing, a new order for the first order and then also a new order, a new way for the Jedi. Ah, that's double meaning. Yeah. Last Jedi. Yeah. I like it. Now I did hear something that was interesting. Speaking of the next film. Oh, there's, there's your line that you like. Yeah. 
too much. Um, the fact that the day this was released was the day that JJ um, brought his initial outline to Kathleen Kennedy, and they kind of uh, did the pitch for the new film. Yeah. Of course, they start shooting it this summer. Talk about shooting. These guys are just getting blown out of the sky. It takes her so long to turn, you know, to turn this thing <laughs> around. <laughs> and part of my mind is like a Mad Magazine version where by the time she turns it around, they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> and then roll credits. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I said at the beginning, uh, both sides take heavy losses and uh, it makes it very interesting to see what does happen in episode nine because the resistance is pretty much down to a group that will fit in the Falcon. But they do have, I guess, allies in the outer rim somewhere. Yeah. Lando. Lando's coming back. There you go. They're saving Lando. What do you think about the lightsaber breaking apart here? Um, well, at this moment, I'm thinking, why doesn't she just turn the blade on? Like, use the <laughs> force, turn the blade on, take off his hand. <laughs> but it breaking apart, I thought was pretty cool. Kind of sad, but cool. Yeah, if, if movie villains would just go ahead and kill him the easy way. <laughs> right. Get it over with. I think they're going to start doing this move all the time in battle. <clears throat> Just building giant ships that are controlled by yeah, one person. Kamikaze. Yeah. Yeah. Some people didn't like the fact that she did this, but I thought it was a, it was cool. We hadn't seen it before. Yeah. That culmination of everything comes to this the best use of silence in a film ever yeah I guess this and the um, episode 2 thermal yeah, um, sonic charger so- yeah. yeah you know but yeah. in episode 2 I hated that silence I hated it but this I love <laughs> uh, well so much more is happening at this moment I, I gasped oh yeah uh, at that moment I was like whoa because we've never seen anything like this. And just, you know, you think it's going to destroy that big ship, but just the fact that, I guess, the energy waves or whatever. Shrapnel. <laughs> yeah, get everything else. Now, this is something like Phasma and everybody were about to kill Finn and Rose. And where did they go? And then all of a sudden, here comes Phasma. <laughs> it just looks good on the screen. Yeah, it does that, look. Yeah. It's, it's really cool looking, but. I just didn't get that walking out part. Here's BB-8's moment, one of his moments to shine. Yeah. Oh, I kind of like your idea the more I think about it. If it was DJ up there with BB-8. Right. And then, then that would have made him seem like a good guy. And then I'd want to see him in episode nine. I was always waiting for this fight to happen, and I was a little little underwhelmed by it. 
and I guess you can't shoot Phasma and kill her? Okay. Well, supposedly her armor isn't made from normal armor. It's from the actual shell of Palpatine's personal ship. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like how all the Naboo ships were silvery. So her armor is made from the the hull of uh, Palpatine's personal Naboo cruiser. Now, isn't there a, is, is there a, a comic book already out about her? There, or is there going to be one? There is. I haven't read it yet. I think it's... Um, it tells the story of how she got away at the end of Episode 7, but also gives a little bit of background to her childhood, I think. Okay. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what characters like. Poor Gwendolyn Christie has to do, wear all that armor, and she gets one eyeball. Yeah. I think it's cool because if she shows up in episode nine, you got to take the helmet off in the last one. But now she'll have like a scar or something there from falling through the flames. That's my theory. Yeah. Yeah. One thing is, you know, these ships, um, even though the ship is kind of ablaze and in ruin, they still are able to mount uh, an, an offensive down at crate. So, so it's not like, you know, the whole ship blows up and how does she get out of that one? She could have easily, survived a fall and then if her armor's that good maybe it survived the fire i mean they said the supremacy is what 60 kilometers wide and if you saw it only it only like lost part of its wing so yeah now here's an interesting scene uh with hux kind of surveying the damage and if you notice he kind of reaches for his gun here yeah while and um they they had uh i saw just today imdb did a an interview with uh and he says that that he asked for that to uh, to be put in the film because he felt that Hux had gotten so pushed around that he wanted to show that Hux is still a pretty much a badass. Yeah. And and I think it, it helps lean to the fact that there's going to be a lot more kind of uh, in between Kylo and Hux in the yeah. next movie. And there's going to be a lot more them versus each other. Maybe maybe we'll finally get to see Kylo turn good and and off Hux. Maybe that would be cool. I love this line, too. A lot of people don't get this. It's up until this point, like, Hux and Kylo are, I think, equals within the First Order, but not anymore. (laughs) I love the... The the queen is dead, long live the queen. The supreme leader is dead, long live the supreme leader. Crystal foxes. Yeah. Another story contrivance, but a really cool looking one. And of course there are CG, but there was a, a, a real one on set that they, yeah. with animatronics. Thanks for that tight shot of the, the main one. And there's a... So there's- there's a Star Wars name for them, but everyone just... I think I prefer oh. Crystal Foxes. <laughs> or they're Crystal Critters. Yeah. So I guess they're thinking they're being attacked here. They don't know that it's Finn and Rose. Right. They just see an Imperial shuttle followed by Imperial TIE Fighters. Right. <laughs> Love the delivery of that line. <laughs> You're not dead. Where's my droid? That's what I thought. This is all that's left. 
So yeah. few of them. Yeah, you think about it, there's no... I mean, they got nothing. <laughs> yeah. They got no They got no future. They got no mamas. They got no daddies. They got no X-Wings. I mean, at least in the Rebellion, there were different cells. There were different groups spread out. The Resistance was just the Resistance. They weren't like a galaxy-wide thing. They were just this one little... Almost like uh, Saul Guerrero's partisans. They were just like this one little yeah. group. Yeah, I always... I always kind of saw them as a militia. You yeah, know, and exactly. Say, okay, new, um, okay, Republic, if you're not going to get ready for this impending attack, we'll get ready for it. You're right. And I was complaining that the resistance is so small, but we don't really know how big the First Order is. So maybe they're more on par. However, the opening... At the opening of the film, they do mention that they'll soon be taking over all the major ports and planets within a matter of days, so. Right. Uh, grumble, grumble. I'm a nerd complaining. I'm an old man. <laughs> it's funny, you know, they send out their message and Leia says, use my own personal code, and nobody comes. Except Luke, but. Yeah. What's that say about Leia? I don't know. What does it say about, you know, is people scared to join the resistance? Right. Or the rebellion. Now, yeah, that's, that's, are we talking, in the next film, they're going to be called the rebellion again, I guess? Fine. Because Luke says the rebellion was reborn. Uh, quick note here, the guy on the left is Gareth Edwards, the um, director of Rogue One. And it's not snow, it's salt. That's right. <laughs> nice exposition moment. Right. Just, just to make it clear that we're not on a hoth. So the idea of these speeders, I mean, I think it's, you know, they have this little thing that helps balance them, that kicks up the dust. But you never see them. They're, they're not really ever really firing at the, uh, at the enemy. Yeah. I'm not sure what their deal was. Yeah, they seem sort of pointless. They got they got blasters, but they 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 yeah. must know blasters aren't going to do anything against those walkers. Right. Learn from history. After I saw the trailer, I was thinking, "Oh, they'll drop their skis, they'll kick up so much dust that the first order won't be able to see what's going on on the battlefield and, you know, be like a smoke screen and they'll be able to do something else to win the day." On Empire, the snow speeders really had no, I mean, except to knock the the walkers down with their tow cables and stuff. These are almost a, a, almost a diversion. So and and they're laying down the ground fire. I don't know. Yeah, yeah on Hoth, it was just a delaying tactic so so they could escape the base. Yeah, there's no escape here. If they yeah, think. at this point, they're not even trying to escape. Yeah, at this point, they're just trying to stop the big uh, cannon thing. And I guess they'll build their their fortified, but then they could just bring another cannon. (laughs) Uh, Poja said, we have to hold them till they blow up that cannon. So I guess the ground forces and those turrets are supposed to be shooting to try to get the cannon. Maybe that's what their idea is. 
But like I say, don't look for science in Star Wars. Maybe you shouldn't look for real military <laughs> competency in Star Wars. I love this shot right here. The Falcon makes... So we kind of lost Ray for a few minutes after they drop a line that she used Snoke's escape pod. And then earlier she says, I had to be quiet there for the pork. She says, we'll, we'll rendezvous, we'll from, wait for my signal. And then we kind of lose her for, for a few minutes, but she's back now. Yeah. She got out in the commotion and called Chewie for a pickup, and there you go. Yeah. And she really doesn't have much to do for the rest of the movie except move a bunch of rocks. <laughs> Because that's what the force is, just moving rocks. In this movie and the last one, when there's someone in the gunner, they're always in the bottom. It seems I like to me... thought the exact same thing. Yeah. Why, why, the, why the bottom? Right, yeah. See, this is like, what, the third time we've seen a Porg in the cockpit? Oh, that's the second time, actually. Second, I think the third yeah. time's coming up here in a minute. It just feels like it's a little... Like, they could have cut one of those. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they could probably cut the next one. Yeah. What do you think about bringing back the uh, the music from Star Wars here? Oh, it's great. I'm all here they it. come. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think I just saw the Falcon lose its dish. Again. It did, yeah, it did lose its dish. So, I think we talked. Maybe we may have talked about this in the review show. They're going to come back with a triangle dish, <laughs> <laughs> octagon. Just one of those bullwhip antennas instead. <laughs> Be cool if it was like a uh, like a house TV antenna. <laughs> yeah. All right, that joke didn't 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 work for me. Yeah, you, you don't need to make the the main bad guy Kylo Ren your straight man. So they're losing ships right and left, and Poe's about to say break off, and Finn says no, he's gonna you know he's not gonna let them win. Did you think that Finn was going to? sacrifice himself logically no my brain was like yeah there's another movie he's gonna be around but in the moment the first time i'm watching it maybe maybe yeah however if they were gonna kill him off it, the build-up to his death should have been a little bit better because <laughs> all he's doing is just flying straight yeah but he's gonna yeah. Save everybody, I guess. Yeah. The fact that, I guess, the fact that Luke Skywalker is going to come and save the day, he doesn't need to to uh, sacrifice himself. Right. But, I mean, they, to me, when the way the music was and just the look in his eyes and everything, I, I thought they were getting close. I, I kind of take this to in Avengers when Iron Man, you know, saves the city and and falls down and you know goes into the other dimension thing. Uh, I thought he had died too, and um, they're just tugging at your heartstrings, I guess. 
It'd be hilarious if he did die here, but it's Rose's fault. Rose killed him. Women drivers. Rose was a first order spy all the the whole time. (laughs) I think Dan White's head would explode if that happened. (laughs) So here, she says this line that a lot of people are having problems with. Um, I think her whole delivery here is bad. Well, and then at the end, she slumps over, and I thought, oh, gosh, she died. And then next thing I know, he's dragging her in there, and she's okay. The fact that she's, like, all smiley here, and it just, it doesn't work with the slumping over at the end. Yeah. And they don't, they don't explain, like, the slumping over that she's not dead. I thought she was dead. Right. And I thought, poor, poor Finn. It's like, but I like the other girl. Yeah. Someone's going to get See, the heart I mean, broken. she looks dead. She looks dead there. Yeah. Not even your mom, dude. Come on. <laughs> All right, so Luke's about to walk in. At, at what point did you know something was funky? Well, I realized his beard was different first. And my theory as I'm watching the movie was like, oh, he has opened himself back up to the Force. So he's like re- recharging himself. Yeah, young again, kind of. Yeah, or- so that's part of it. Um, I didn't catch the fact that he doesn't leave footprints. I didn't catch that the first time. Uh, I didn't catch the fact that he supposedly doesn't make sound other than what he says. That's right. Yeah. The the Foley artists, yeah, they they didn't make, you know, footprints for him or the sound of him walking. Do you think it would have worked better if he had looked like he looked on Acto? Because I knew, I knew at this point something was up, and it kind of maybe um, lessened my experience a little bit because I'm sitting there trying to figure out what's going on versus enjoying Luke facing down the First Order the way he looks through the, through the rest of the movie and then realizing that he wasn't really there. I think that would have, may have worked a little bit better. Maybe. I was okay with him looking different. I think when he pulled out the old lightsaber, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Does he have a spare? Is that like a you know one that he made? Yeah, and and I think Ryan has said it's just kind of like <laughs> just kind of to mess with Kylo Ren, right? Yeah, this is basically the way he looked when uh, everything went down at the Jedi Temple. So it's kind of like messing with Kylo, like messing with Sasquatch. So Luke is a is a um, apparition, and the dice are an apparition. Yeah. And why does she leave the dice? Seems like she would want to keep the dice. I got the feeling that when he held her hand, and she gives him that look, and he gives her that little look back. She like knows she's kn- not. Re- she's not. She re- knows he's not real. Yeah. There's the three Hamill kids. That's right. Yeah. 
if we just knew one person that we could get in one of these movies, Tim. <laughs> I know. The build-up to these new walkers was so... And before the film came up, was it was I was really looking forward to seeing these new walkers, but then they never really did anything other than slowly walk. <laughs> yeah, they're big monkey arms. Like, yeah. I don't know what the deal is with them. I, I swear I had read, oh, you know, because they're simian-shaped, they can move faster. Right. They're, they're tougher. Like, all right, I was expecting to see them, like, trot across the plane. This kind of does remind me the way Luke's dressed and like kind of a samurai movie, you know, mm-hmm. he's one man against an army. And this is the, this is the fulfillment of earlier when he said, what's one man going to do with a laser sword against the whole first order. They're giving it everything they got. There's a theme in this movie that they're going to bring up here in a minute about being the spark. I think Holdo talks about it. Yeah, they mention it a lot. To me, the spark is Luke Skywalker. He is the legend that is going to fuel the resistance and the people to destroy the First Order. And I believe... There's some music in this section that is actually called The Spark. I still haven't purchased this soundtrack yet. I have to admit that. I've been listening to it on uh, Vivo, mm-hmm. you know, the streaming. And uh, I've been listening to it a lot. Um, growing to like it more and more. I still don't think it's as good as Force Awakens, but... As I watch the film more and learn the cues and the scenes it goes with, I'll I become more and more a fan of it. So how did Finn get Poe, excuse me, how did Finn get Rose around all of that blaster fire <laughs> past Luke? Yeah, I was wondering, you know, he didn't bring her in the... Um, in through one of the trenches or anything. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there should have been some reaction from Leia here. We never, you know, when Kylo shows up, we never really see her emote anything, seeing her son who she hasn't seen in a long time. Right. Little, little missed opportunity. I thought this. I think this imagery, uh, like I mentioned, you know, it it's just so cool. Oh yeah, this is, this is going to be classic Star Wars, iconic Star Wars forever. I love the way he does that same lightsaber light, like he did in the Force Awakens trailer and that cut yeah. scene. Yeah. You know, Haldo didn't tell Finn, excuse me, Haldo didn't tell Poe her plan. Apparently Luke didn't tell him his plan either. What? (laughs) No no one tells Poe the plan. This is a funny moment. Yeah. 
<laughs> so rude. To one. <laughs> Poor 3PO. In a sense, when Poe says, Luke found a way in, you know, there should be a way out. Well, you know, he really didn't because he just <laughs> <Right>. kind of <laughs> appeared there. But Luke, they didn't know that, so... Luke set him up to fail. They really, I guess, n- uh, except for Leia and Ray, none of them knew that he died. And right. none of them knew that he was a, 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 a projection. Yeah. And other than... Uh... Leia and 3PO, no one there had ever met Luke before. Right. Yeah, I, I imagine that Poe would have more awe of this is the guy that I've been looking for for a long time and, you know. Yeah. See, I'm okay with that pork because he's doing <laughs> something. Now, how do they know that the crystal critters are um, uh, a way or coming from the way that their friends are going to escape. Ah, uh, they just trust in the force. I don't know. <laughs> Rocks. <laughs> When he uh, took his hand off the hilt, my first thought was, oh, he's going to fight him one-handed the way Vader fought Luke one-handed the first time in Empire. Mm-hmm. Just toy with him. Again, none of my thoughts and predictions ever came true. Oh, there's the shot of his foot dragging where you don't see any of the red. Yeah, did not catch that in the theater. I did either. That's one of the reasons I had to go back. I was like, I've got to see that again. So the stuff falling isn't snow, it's salt. So I'm just imagining right. you get that in your eye, that's gonna that's gonna hurt. <laughs> Ouch, yeah. I really hope Is we it- get the story of Kylo's motivation. Yes, Snoke got his hooks into Kylo. They keep saying that. But what's that mean? What why would what did Kylo find in Ben that he could twist and make dark? Right. Yeah, there's there's always a motivation to turn bad. Yeah. This was a cool shot in 3D. Yes, it was. She's, and she's doing it so easily. Like, she's not straining... Yeah, similar to the way in The Force Awakens, Kylo Ren stops the laser bolt and kind of has a conversation, does a bunch of stuff, and then, oh yeah, the laser bolt. Yeah. Do you think Finn's in the friend zone? I think he's yeah, more I think into Rey than Rey is into him? Well, now, you know, at the end we see him comforting Rose, and Rey kind of gives a look like, you know, a happy look yeah. that way, so I think it's always been a friend thing. Now, is uh, I'm trying to think, when Kylo Ren says, oh, I will killed the last Jedi, that's saying the name of the film, except for Rogue One, obviously. Uh, 
I don't think the uh, the name of the film has ever been said in the in the movie. Oh, good point. Now he in the Force Awakens he says there's been an awakening, but not the Force has awakened or anything. Right, right. I thought at this moment that Luke had already died. Ah. That he had sacrificed himself because he knew that that was the only way he could become more powerful. So he committed suicide so he could do so he could do. Yeah, this. I mean, yeah. yeah, I know that would have, yeah, yeah. That, that worked. But I guess this is the best way. The fact that he's projected himself and by doing this, he will die. What if Luke had been there? Kylo had struck him down and he disappeared like Obi Wan did, but then yeah. he reappeared right away as a Force ghost. Like that would have been pretty cool. <laughs> Something else I've thought about episode nine is the ghost force ghost of Luke just going to like constantly bug the crap out of Kylo Ren, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, see you around and he's just going to be like, you know, Kylo Ren's going to wake up and the force ghost of Luke is there. He's going to be in the shower and the force ghost of Luke is there. Mm-hmm. Because Luke says he'll always be with you like your father. So then are we going to have a force ghost of Han? No, I guess, I guess he's talking about the memory of Han. Right, right. But what were your thoughts when you realized that it was a projection? I wish I could remember what I thought other other than wow, you know, that's different. I I don't, I don't think I, I don't have a memory of a specific thought. I mean, I knew Luke was going to die in this movie. I think we all did, but still got to me so many possibilities open now with him being a force ghost and yeah I don't think there's been any confirmation of his return for episode 9 has there nothing official has been announced at all right at all but he looks pretty healthy right there yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, I noticed when they disappear, they only drop their outer cloak. Their inner clothes disappear, too. <laughs> well, they don't want to go to the force naked, I guess. Right, right. And then people said, what happened to his mechanical hand? Like, yeah. All right. Now, it's a salt planet, but they brought snow troopers with them. I guess they don't have salt troopers. <laughs> you know, someone mentioned that online. I saw it on Facebook, and I liked the question so much that I actually asked Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter you know, of the... Lucasfilm story group and he said the answer is in the visual dictionary um, they have sand troopers uh, but they went with snow troopers instead because they offered better traction in their boots <laughs> <laughs> and you see people slipping around on that salt so. Pablo Hidalgo comes up with the best answers yeah he's got all the answers I don't think there are salt troopers but you know they must have desert troopers so I would think desert sand would be closer to salt. You know, if there was a salt trooper, you'd hope there would be a margarita trooper too. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say a pepper trooper. <laughs> yes, or a pepper trooper. I got them both on my dinner table. So we see here in just a moment, Ray has taken the books. Yep. 
So, as you guys said, everything Young Ray needs, she has with her. And Poe and Ray never met. What's up right. with that? There's a there's a scene there's a books there's a scene somebody freeze framed from the end of Force Awakens and it shows Poe running right by Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe they didn't meet. Well, the hustle and bustle to get out of there before the first order. I'm sure. Yeah, because you got to think they're waving bye bye to Ray, and then everybody's all right. Let's go. Yeah, Happy. exactly. Time to haul ass. Someone had mentioned, you know, in The Force Awakens, she was looking for a place where she belonged. And by by Poe saying right there, when she says, I'm Ray," and he goes, like, I know. That's when she realizes she's with her new family. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good theory. Like, like she feels acceptance at that moment. Yeah, I, never I, thought noticed... they were gonna, I thought they were going to wipe out right there. And then I thought they were going to wipe out right here. You didn't notice what the Porg? I never noticed the Porg before. <laughs> on yeah, top of R2. Yeah. All right. Fifth time's a charm. So is this later? I mean, so it, I think he's mimicking Luke standing off the first order. Yeah, that's, so, that's how I saw it, too. So, so you had to think that maybe this is months later and news has gotten around the galaxy yeah and then then when the little kid here sees the uh the ship going to light speed then i thought well is that the falcon but why would the falcon be at can't abide i think it's just a ship right you know he's looking to the horizon looking to get he's wishing up yeah wishing upon a shooting star or a ship going to hyperspace yeah it is a disney film Mm mm-hmm so people are saying, oh, this kid's going to be in episode nine. This kid's going to be the focus of Ryan Johnson's next trilogy. I'm guessing we never see that kid again. <laughs> he just <laughs> represents the idea of hope and that there's others out there who will rise up. Uh, I I don't think it's legitimate that that he's the one. No, it, he doesn't have to be the one. Um, whether or not they'll do it that way. Who knows? You have to think that he's kind of young, so uh, Disney tried to stay away from the young characters, right. i.e., the you know Anakin type age characters, because uh, that was originally um, an uh, older kid and young teens were, was George Lucas's idea for episodes seven, eight, and nine, and they steered a little bit older because of the prequel fear. And so, yeah, I have a feeling that he is just kind of the representation of the downtrodden who have hope now because of Luke Skywalker. And uh, we'll see what happens in the next film because we leave with a small band, a really small band of rebels. And, um, you know, we don't know what the next deal for the First Order is, how damaged they are after uh, the supremacy and Starkiller base being destroyed and what's going to be the mindset of Kylo Ren and uh, is he going to still be wanting Ray to join him and how are they going to deal with the death of Carrie Fisher so many questions and I'm glad I'm not in charge of having to write that script yeah I know 
JJ's definitely got a, a, a big daunting task in front of him. But um, I think this is going to be good for JJ, too, because it's going to challenge him to, uh, you know, JJ has a tendency to he's the, he's a master. And I've said this before. He's he's a master um, storyteller of telling uh, uh, like telling other people's stories, you know, right. and and sh- and shaping them to be new and and uh, more modern. But how good is he going to be at going like Ryan Johnson did here in a totally different direction, or continuing Ryan Johnson's totally different direction? You know, is he going to veer a little bit back more toward the main? You know, a lot of Star Wars fans like our friend Dan didn't like this film so is he gonna and, and disney gonna try to steer it back toward kind of what we're familiar with or are they just gonna say hey this is the last one let's just you know go for broke yeah apparently i saw a clip recently with jj it was an older clip but he was talking about how when they wrote episode seven they had some ideas of where it could go and that ryan johnson went with some of those ideas and ignored some of them so it'll be interesting to see what's next. Well, we're going to try at some some points in the future. I want to go back and and uh, do the original films and do the prequel films in this way um, because it's been it's been fun and it's it's always good to revisit Star Wars. But there's still stuff that amazes me that I see in Star Wars films, and you know we've been watching them now for 40 years. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I never noticed that. You know, they're so full of of stuff you know they're jam-packed full of visuals and little small things and creatures that you you know don't see until you see something the 15th or 20th time oh there he is in the background so so i'm looking forward to doing that we'll try to do that here in the next year or so maybe try to get all those under our belt maybe every few months we uh we get back together and and do that and the ewok Um, films and the holiday special are we gonna do those and the the clone wars movie Okay, all right. Do it all. Yeah. We'll do it all. Yeah, we'll do all the major motion picture and, and the holiday special. Okay. Thank you for joining Less Than 12 Parsecs, the fastest Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. No content may be copied or redistributed without the consent of the producers. Less Than 12 Parsecs is not affiliated with any movie, television, book, music, or publishing-related company and receives no revenue. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains are copyright and trademarked Lucasfilm Limited. All rights reserved. All Star Wars content included in the show is used under the Fair Use Legal Doctrine, and no infringement is intended.